From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. And joining me for this episode is the great Jim Miller. Jim, welcome back to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV ratings, even though I'm not on Twitter. Thank you for having me. And uh, congratulations on your decision to uh, escape from Twitter. Yeah, well, I think I might make that permanent. We'll see. I'll let, I'll let you know in a month. But uh, anyway, I sometimes lament that as great as uh, your Origins podcasts are, they sometimes don't get enough love and publicity for my tastes, uh, particularly the one on Saban and Alabama football. But the latest chapter of your Origins podcast was uh, a retrospective on Sex in the City 20 years after its uh, initial debut. And the love and the publicity on this one seems to be through the freaking roof. Uh, unless my perception is way off, congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I think it has less to do with me than uh, those four women and... Uh... Michael Patrick King and Darren Starr, but that's that's okay. So 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 is my perception correct that 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 one just ginned up a ton of publicity, kind of on its own because of the content? Um, yes, but I will say that um, you know one of the things that I like to do with the podcast is make sure that these topics and these chapters are evergreen, and so all of a sudden it's like a month after Saban and Alabama premiered. Um, I was getting, you know, messages from people who, like somebody who runs a huge sales force who, who told me that I, I, you know, I hate college football. I never even heard of Nick Saban, but <laughs> I, um, I listened to all three of your um, Alabama episodes because ultimately it wound up being about leadership, motivation, character, and discipline. And those are things that I deal with, you know, every single day. So, you know, thanks so much. So then it kind of created a whole other life, you know, for it. Um, the thing that I didn't realize or didn't appreciate so much about the Saban one, though, is I had friends from Texas A&M and Georgia and others say, listen, okay, you know, I love you, but I'm really doing the Lord's work here because the last thing I want to do is listen to how great Alabama <laughs> is. And I said, well, it wasn't about me saying Alabama's great. It's, it's about those things that I mentioned earlier. So, but, you know, you kind of start with uh, a little bit of a prejudice against you on that. But, um, no, it's good. And SNL, obviously, a lot of um, SNL devotees, um, especially people who, um, you know, read the book and stuff like that. So it's good. But Sex in the City is, I mean, I think that shows just the power of the brand after 20 years that, um, you know, it, it has such a following. And I felt like it was incumbent upon me, though, that if I was going to do Sex and the City after 20 years to kind of come up with a new way to talk about it and to come up with some things that fans of the show, even people who followed it closely, uh, you know, hadn't heard before. So that wound up being, um, you know, uh, helpful as well. Yeah. So the, so the number, the number of headlines I saw that kind of refer to, you know, the one cast member who didn't actually uh, do the interview for your podcast uh, was pretty astounding to me. I mean, I'm not surprised that people are very interested in it, and yet I am kind of surprised that people are that interested in in uh, whatever the uh, the beef uh, Kim Cattrall has with with the, the show and the uh, the other actors. Uh, what are your well, thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I um, I didn't take it personally. She hasn't been doing anything really, and um, 
because she said that you know she said enough about the show over the you know over the period of time that uh, while she was talking about it, and I think that you know look, people who loved the show really bought into the fact that these four women were friends, both in front of the cameras and behind the cameras. Um, sometimes people, you know, and so I think that it was it was a it was a bit of a crushing blow to them that um, they weren't as close off camera um, as they were on. But at the same time, it's not to say that there was tremendous fights and big battles going on throughout the filming. I think a lot of it, and I try and document that in episode number three, but I think a lot of it really started after the second movie was finished. And it was all about that bizarre odyssey of whether or not there was going to be a third movie or not. And then Kim kind of went on a rampage about why she didn't want to do the third movie. Um, not not about why she didn't do it, but it kind of got a little, you know, we were never friends, and yeah. it just got a little little tough, little tough there. Yeah. So the so the other the other thing that uh, that seemed to garner a lot of attention was uh, was the uh, the idea that the uh, the Mister Big character would have been killed off uh, had the third movie. Uh, come to pass and uh and, and that was very interesting to to me too that uh you know that all these years later uh people are so vested in fictional characters that the outcomes of the fictional characters uh still uh produce uh, a lot of emotion and, and it's you know it is a testament to the creators and the uh and the actors that uh, that it still you know twenty years later resonates so much. I, I'm just I'm just wondering if if you were surprised by that at all. No, that one I knew because that one hadn't been reported, and that one I knew was going to. I mean that's that, that is kind of shocking, and I think that um, people were were very surprised by it. And I think that you know it, even just from a storytelling point of view, that kind of decision um, I thought was you know a significant one. So. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not surprised by that. I, I think it was. Uh, I mean, look, Michael Patrick King is so is so smart, and I think that one of the things that I, you know, would really hope that um, emerges from this chapter, uh, this Sex in the City chapter, is this idea that even if you're even if you're not a fan of Sex in the City, um, if you're interested in narrative structure and storytelling and motivation of characters and just the whole idea of screenwriting or yep. you know TV writing. Michael Patrick King is one of the smartest people. Um, uh, he is just he is just unbelievable, and um, the way he talks about his process in the writing room was fascinating to me. One of the most interesting things to to me personally in the podcast, and it kind of you know kind of was just a throwaway line. Uh, I think it was from Sarah Jessica Parker uh, about. Uh, Mike, uh, Michael Patrick King's talent is that uh, he has the ability to press. I think that I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think her comment was he has the ability to, you know, press the thumb in the bruise in a way that makes it funny. And uh, that just resonated with me so much only because I do not have that skill. And I very badly wish that I did. Uh, and, and so I just want to back up, your, you know, your comment that, you know, for, for, for people who, who are interested in the, uh, in the screenwriting process, there is a, there's a lot of good info 
uh, in this chapter of, of Jim's Origins Pod. And the the other thing that was really fascinating to me, because I, I, you know, I watched I watched the show when it was when it was out. I, I wouldn't say I was any kind of a hardcore fan, so I didn't really know uh, a lot of the backstory. But uh, uh, but the the costume designer Patricia Field, wow, what, what a what a what a character and interesting woman that she is. You talk about legends, man. She is just she is really really just has an has had an amazing career and when you think about what she had done with the Devil Wears Prada but obviously with Sex in the City as well uh she had such an impact on that show and i think that you know one of the things that you look at now is that Sarah Jessica is building her own fashion empire and i think that bond that she had with Patricia was you know an just an, an important foundation for that but Patricia's uh, enormously gifted it's an understatement and she really really had this um you know sometimes michael patrick king talks sometimes you have to worry about whether or not the clothes are actually going to overwhelm the dialogue or what's taking place in the scene and i thought that was an interesting um, balancing act that they pulled off well, and the you know I I think you know the 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 whole story about the the dress and the dress wouldn't have fit in the suitcase if I'm if I'm remembering it correctly uh, you know all the yeah. all the thinking process uh, that uh, you know the level of detail just the just the level of detail in the thinking before they did anything uh, was was really very fascinating to me. So what was what was your favorite part of of this chapter personally? If you if you can if you can you know pick a favorite child. Um. I actually think it wasn't so much um, a theme or a particular incident. My favorite part was um, listening to these to these people speak because uh, I think that you know everybody, even Chris Noth, who has just a remarkable attitude about it all, he does, which was highly highly refreshing and yep. quite unexpected. But I mean, you know, every once in a while, you 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 realize that um, these people are like wicked smart. And they, I mean, Cynthia Nixon was so thoughtful. And so uh, she just never, she never gave, you know, like a pat answer to something. She was very, very reflective. And, um, and as a result, um, I think each one of their personalities comes through and we're talking about a situation where there's obviously no script for them to read. You know what I mean? And so I think that that, that kind of, sometimes you interview people and particularly people who come from the scripted world and the disparity between what they're like on a TV show or in a movie and real life is just huge because you think, Oh my God, they must, they must need a screenwriter to, you know, uh, give a toast or something uh, because they just seem so, um, either shy or inarticulate or um, one-dimensional or something, but I think that each one of these people um, kind of exposed 360 degrees of of their thinking and their being. And um, so for me, it was um, you know it was it was endlessly fascinating. Yeah, I mean, all of them, and even even like you know, Chris, uh, Kristen Davis is you know she just seems so delighted with her life at this point. Uh, it was very nice to hear uh, how happy a lot of these she's people ex- were. She's exactly what you'd hope she'd be, right? Yep. I mean, because you, you, you look at that character, Charlotte, and you think of her, and, I mean, there is a duality to her character. I mean, in the sense that, I mean, she's 
supposed to be prim and proper and everything else, but there are moments when she kind of shows a little bit more of a of an edge and stuff. But just as a human being, she just is so endlessly delightful. Um, I thought that was she. She really is a is a crack up. So I'm assuming with the with this podcast, like the others, the uh, the all the all the individual interviews will will come out at some point, and uh, and people will be able to download yeah. and listen to them. Okay, great. Yes, and I think that that will be. I hope um, for you know fans of the show, but also when it comes to like Darren Starr and Michael Patrick um, in particular, I think the individual interviews are going to um, you know have a have a you know pretty good life of their own as well. I hope because um, there's something that just once you really go down the rabbit hole with these people, um, you get you get quite caught up in it. So, so I'm I'm just gonna try to mount the campaign again. I'm I'm sure it's, it's going to be unsuccessful, and I I don't know if it's a production thing or a, a marketing thing, but uh, I think with the with the first one or the first few that you did, like you could do them in binge mode. They just all came out at the same time, and uh, I have a binge bingey mindset, uh, so I really like that. So, uh, Mark, Mark, yeah, me, Mark, talk to the powers that be because uh, I I think that. Um I like that too, but I, 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 my understanding is that advertisers don't. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why that is. Well, because particularly if you know if you have a, a couple of the same sponsors, I think they just want some distance in the, uh, in the in the airing, and and uh, people people like me won't give it any any space, you know, we'll, and, and we'll consume them all in like a few hour period. Right, right. I guess so. But boy, oh boy, um, it is. Uh, it was amazing to see the intensity of it. Uh, um, you know, of the following. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it was another another great one. I, I've I have enjoyed them all. So, uh, w- what's your process here? So, uh, will you you get kind of a a couple month break from Origins and then uh, crank out a, a few more uh, starting like in the summertime, or is it going to be different this time around? No, I, I I'm working on the timing now, but um, I don't think there's going to be any. I don't think there's going to be any break, certainly in terms of producing them and interviewing and writing them. So um, I just just going to keep on going, and I hope uh, I might even have one in February. I'm just waiting on confirmation. So, so you, can, can can you give me any hints? Like, you know, is is, uh, is something big coming down down the road that you can tease a little bit at least keep keep people on the hook? Well, I um, I definitely want to uh, be getting into different verticals. I mean, it's been great with television and sports and comedy and um, stuff, but, um, music, music, music's coming then, right? Music, music's coming, but also, uh, relationships, business relationships or personal relationships. Nope. Nope. Personal. Nice. Nice. Well, I will, uh, I will certainly look forward forward to that. A- anything else on sex in the city that, uh, that, uh, you want to promote before we move on to other stuff? Well, no, I, I think that there's just um, I, I I just I just hope that people really appreciate or at least get get a chance to listen to uh, Darren Starr and Michael Patrick King talk about you know the development of the show because there were um, as one might expect a couple proverbial forks in the road and um, some of the decisions they made early on were were really great. Yeah, I I agree. So uh, while I have been off Twitter, a couple a couple of interesting topics uh, have have come up, and uh, I, I I've told you. Oh, often. you didn't hear it, right? ESPN closed down. 
Uh, no, yeah, I missed that. That that uh, yeah. that news I somehow things missed. Happen. But Robert, things happen on Twitter <laughs> when you're not paying attention. Well, I, I I've told you offline that I I do uh, pretty much at least at least once or twice a day uh, check out your Twitter feed. But this is like the thing that I'm avoiding. I don't sign into my my account, but I have like a few people's feeds, uh, yours included, bookmarked. So I saw that you tweeted that Disney is warming the NFL up so it can bid on a package for ABC, which I 100% agree with. Uh, but I got some emails and people contacting me saying stuff like, Monday Night Football is going to go to move to ABC. And uh, I don't think that's the case. And if you've read Jim's great book on ESPN, those guys have all the fun. You know the story of how ESPN wound up with Monday Night Football. And uh, not only did ESPN elect not to take the Sunday Night Package NBC wound up with, ESPN actually had an opportunity to have both the Monday Night and the Sunday Night Packages. And uh, years down the road, it looks like Disney is going to take a crack at getting both packages. And uh, with the way the industry is tracking with general uh, entertainment broadcast network primetime ratings having cratered, I could certainly see uh, Disney bidding on one of the primetime uh, broadcast network packages for ABC. And uh, my take on your tweet was you see it uh, a bit the same. Do I have that right? Yes, but the details are a little different because I I have a feeling that that Sunday afternoon window might be something that ABC um, would want. So daytime even. So uh, what, so you're talking about uh, either the package that CBS or Fox currently has. CBS in particular. I mean, look, I think that, um, I mean, CBS has had Les Moonves around um, for quite, a, you know, for quite some time to deal with the NFL. And I think it's no secret that the NFL had, um, warm feelings towards Les, and he had a great relationship with not only Bob Kraft, but some of the other owners. And um, there's a real X factor out there in terms of what um, what are the repercussions going to be for CBS without Les there. And ultimately, one could say, um, well, you know, cash equals truth, so we'll just see whoever, um, you know, we'll see whoever gives them the most money. But, um, you know, I think that that's going to be trickier than that. That's very interesting. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine Fox giving up their package at this point, or, or I, I can't imagine them not trying to hold on to it. Uh, but the but the CBS angle is interesting. Uh, along those lines, I've seen, you know, people speculating, too, about uh, – about what will happen to the uh, to the SEC package, uh, which you know they kind of got it a steal, I think. Uh, CBS. Uh, what, I, what, what, I think they're going to lose that. You I think, think they're, they're losing that. You think they're losing that too? Wow. So a lot of dramatic change on the uh, on the horizon. So I, I'm just curious, like without any without any sort of big primetime shows. Uh, you know, one of the one of the, the big reasons that uh, at least was cited to me uh, fairly regularly uh, that uh, people made these huge bids on the NFL uh, was, you know, for the opportunity to, prom- to promote, the, you know, their network's primetime lineups. But but with that not being such a such a big deal anymore, what's the, what's the real upside for ABC if they have the daytime, uh, you know, a daytime package? Well, I think, look, it's still it's still a great bang for your buck and still. The numbers, you know, are still there. It's a, and, you know, I think, look, people can say that it doesn't work anymore, but think about 60 minutes without a football lead and 
I mean, that's, that's, that's true. tough stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And and for you know, for those who don't follow the ratings, uh, the the difference in in sixty minutes numbers uh, when CBS has the national you know uh, four twenty five game and doesn't have the uh, the national four twenty five game uh, is very substantial. So so that does that is a very good point. Also, while I've been off Twitter, uh, the the news came out. I think originally reported by CNBC that uh, that Amazon was going to bid on the on the what were the Fox RSNs that uh, EB, that uh, the Disney was going to acquire as a result of their deal with with Fox, but that, that the regulators said they could not keep. Uh, and so Disney's going to have to sell those RSNs. Uh, but then at least, at least as I understand it, you know, it turns out, ah, you know, maybe Amazon just, just wants to bid on the Yes Network deal uh, to have the streaming package for Yes Network. And that makes total sense to me uh, if they want to do that. Uh, buying the RSNs themselves make, made almost no sense to me. I, I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. And also, uh, just to just to tack this on, it seems like people are always, uh, and maybe uh, if, if John Oran listens to this, he's like the worst at this. He is always trying you know, to badger one of these digital companies, whether it's Facebook or Amazon, to, to bidding on a major, major package. And I just don't see that coming down the pike anytime soon. So I wonder what all your thoughts on that are. Well, I'm not sure about the RSNs. It could happen. It could not. The reason why I think that there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace is because we don't really understand what the Amazon strategy is. I mean, like, for instance, they got Thursday night streaming. So what did they do with that? Well, when you got a primetime package, there was, you know, there's a wrapper that said it. I'm not sure, though. I, I, I don't really understand what their goal is. I'm sure it's a pretty smart one because it's a well-run company. But despite the fact that I think they blew it on their geographic locations for the um, <laughs> new headquarters, I think they blew it big time. Where, but, well, um, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where would you have put it? What, what, what two places or one place would you have picked? I would have picked uh, someplace in the uh, Midwest or the Southwest or someplace, certainly not a place that um, where there was already, you know, tremendous overcrowding, where there was deep infrastructure needs and the idea of giving a company that makes so much money, you know, deep discounts, um, just crazy. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I really, I really don't. Uh, so yeah. I, I understand it only from sort of the notion uh, of the uh, of the available talent pool for you know sort of the you know the software developing positions. But then, but then when I you know the, as as I read the news, it's like well, most of the positions aren't going to be those kind of positions anyway. And so and then I do ask, well, well, why couldn't they have put it in the Midwest or the Southwest or somewhere else? I I, I kind of agree with you on that. Yeah, I just I thought it was really unfortunate. But I will say this though: um, if Amazon Amazon has a lot of cash, and God knows Apple does too, yep. so I think it's going to be really interesting in the next two years to start to see because there's going to be so many interesting opportunities to spend money. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, their strategy and their long-term strategy take place because. I don't really understand it otherwise. Um, and it's, you know, it's probably too early to understand it, um, I guess, for those of us, uh, you know, do it. But I just, I really don't under, understand it yet. So um, it, it'll be, 
you know, if they go for the RSNs and the Yes Network, particularly having an equity point in that, I think that's that that makes a lot of sense. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. But um, some of these other rights deals, um, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure what they're up to. What are your thoughts on uh, on the whole Tiger Phil thing? Uh, you know what what they wound up doing as far as making it free on the web and uh, and and the, the the packaging in general. If you watched any of it, yeah, I mean, boy, that's that's kind of rough going, isn't it? When you start, well, on second thought, you can have it for free. Um, that that must have been a tad frustrating, um, but you know what? I also feel like there's a lot that the a lot that everybody learned about that. I'm not sure what the appetite's going to be going going forward, um, because it seemed to me that they weren't that there wasn't um, as much interest as they thought there would be um, when it was twenty bucks. And and I have several sources who tell me that I was right when uh, it was originally twenty four. So I think that they saw after I posted that. I think they saw that the uh, reaction was pretty rough. And um, I know at least one person who told me that they came down on it to that. Yeah, you know, so it's it's hard for me to read because I, I I saw uh, some comments I think from uh, from the Turner Sports CEO uh, where where you know they're they're pretty enthused to to you know to to both talk to Tiger and Phil about doing it again and to extending it to you know to stuff besides golf. You know, I don't I don't know what what the stuff besides golf would be, but you know it opens up a lot of possibilities. Uh, so I I. You know, I, I favor the testing of this stuff, but I but I also kind of favor, uh, you know, some kind of transparency about, you know, letting letting people like me figuring out whether it actually works as a business. And I don't think I'm going to get that kind of transparency on this stuff for a while. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, look, I think there's going to be more and more experiments like this and um, and everybody's learning and everybody's under, trying to understand but I just can't imagine a world where three, two, three years from now, people are paying, you know, ten dollars, fifteen dollars a month for like seven different services. Yeah. You know, a- at some point, that's just gonna. There's gonna have to be some consolidation, and I think that's probably one of the things that Disney is, you know, has in mind. Yeah, so there's a there's a guy who's uh, his name is Ben Thompson. He he writes a newsletter called Stratechery that I that I really like, and uh, he he calls this uh, there, there's going he he says there's going to be a great rebundling uh, due to the fact that you know you're you're seven dollars for this eight dollars for that you know that some some service is going to have to come along and and tie it all together to 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 bring back you know the the regular old bundle. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's right, and I think that um. You know, who knows? I mean, uh, it could happen sooner rather than later because I have a feeling that um, people, consumer appetites are going to get really, really shy. Really, they're, they're going to be risk. They're going to be ad- adverse to, to, to having that many um, subscriptions in their, you know, on their credit card bill every month. Yeah. And, I, you know, I also think this whole thing where it's I mean, it's so easy for me to like go into net. Uh, Netflix or HBO now for a month and then bail out and then go back in. Uh, and that's stuff that I never did. You do that? Oh yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm in, you know, you know me, I'm in the, the frugal Frank era of my life, but, uh, oh my God. but, but here's where I never did that with just the regular old and, and still don't actually with my regular cable bundle. I don't make any changes to that ever. Uh, you know, the change I might, might be a, a, to cancel it at some point, but, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, so I just don't watch, I, I'm, I'm way more into audio at this point. And so like, I just, I never used, I, I rarely use Netflix or HBO now. And so like, I'll subscribe to HBO now for a month to, you know, so that, uh, you know, that I can watch uh, a particular series that I want to watch. And then I binge them all. And then, and then I'm out again until, until it comes back. Wow. And uh, I don't think I don't. And, and, and by the way, let, let me let me say this again. It, it's it's not me. It's that they make that really really easy to do. It's like a, it's basically a click of a button. And uh, and 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 you know, having no barrier to to move in and out like that. Uh, I mean, as a consumer, I enjoy it thoroughly. But as a business, I don't love it. Right. Right. Well, there you go. I mean, I I just uh, I don't have the patience for that. Um, <laughs> Uh, my, hat, my hat's off to you. Nah, I don't, I, you know, I think that's just, uh, that's just me scrimping, uh, because I'm not making any money doing sports TV rating stuff, but, uh, uh Jim, well, hey, aside from the million that the podcast brings in a year. Yes. Yes. And, uh, I'm going to give you half. I promise I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you half of whatever this podcast makes. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, on behalf of my three children, and my ex-wife, thank you very much. So, uh, he's at Jim Miller on Twitter. It's the, it's the origins podcast. I'll include links to it in the, uh, in the podcast description. Uh, there's many chapters besides sex in the city, but if you haven't listened to sex in the city, uh, and uh, again, I mean, I watched the show, but I was no Uber fan, uh, but I still enjoyed the podcast tremendously. I recommend it for everyone. Jim, thanks as always uh, for joining. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.